right, everybody. So today on the podcast, we have Holly Baxter. How are we doing, Holly? I am doing great. How about you? Doing well, doing well. I had spoken to Lane, maybe he's probably been on two or three times. And I've known of you for a while through Lane and then seeing your stuff independently. Um, yeah. And then obviously seeing you on other podcasts. So it's great to actually finally connect. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, so I have, well, first we'll start with the charity donation. So uh, you actually had a specific one for today. And maybe you can go a little bit into that. It was the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess um, my upbringing probably explains a little bit about that. And uh, I suffered with a lot of mental health illness uh, and struggled for the majority of my adult life. And it's only really been uh, very recently, like in the last five or six years or so, that um, I've really paid more attention to that. And mm. I wish when I was young that there was, you know, more information about, you know, mental health disorders for children and kids. And this group, the Brain and Behaviour Research Group, uh, are doing a lot of awesome work uh, for mental health. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to go this way. Perfect. And we will have a link below for anybody who wants to check that out. So you mentioned you've been in this for a while. When did you actually start the fitness journey? <laughs> yeah, so good question. Um, do we count like preschool? <laughs> Is it that early you got into stuff? Yeah, look, I, I've been doing sport uh, for the better part of my life. I think we've been um, involved in like kids basketball. I was a dancer. Uh, then I did track athletics and actually was able to get up to a very high level uh, of competition. So when I was uh, young, I actually competed for Australia in the Youth Olympics. So no. um, I really enjoy like track running. And I think, you know, you have a competitive edge, but then it comes time to go through your career and you have to make a choice. And I think growing up in Australia, um, the options for being, you know, making sport a career, especially for women, was really, really limited. So I obviously went the academic route and I thought, well, I'll just throw myself into something that's either number one, medical, and I would have loved to actually do that. But I'm kind of glad that I moved away uh, from Tasmania where I was born because I could have done it there. Uh, but I took the nutrition route um, because I was always fascinated by, you know, food and, and how that can impact your performance. So from there, I guess, you know, I went and did my undergraduate in uh, food science and nutrition. And like every kid that does an undergrad, I guess there's about a billion things you still have no idea about. So I took a little bit of time off between that to kind of gather myself and decide, you know, which direction I wanted to go. And uh, I went back and uh, did my master's in dietetics. So that's kind of my academic um, background. And then to get to where we are now, oh my God, have we got four hours? Right. <laughs> it's a really huge roller coaster. <laughs> so you finished, when did you finish your bachelor's? Uh, 2000 and, oh gosh, 2009, maybe 2010. Okay. And then you yeah. took a little gap between then yeah. and your master's. And the master's yeah. was probably two years or so. Yeah, two and a half. Yep. Okay, cool. And then was that when you broke into the fitness industry? Or was it was it like a kind of a gradual taper? I'm sure you followed people for a while and you know, knew of people's names. But... Yes. Yeah, so honestly, I had no exposure to anything in the fitness industry. I kid you not, like as it relates to like influencers, or following anything to do with bodybuilding, like mm. no way like that does that did not exist and had never crossed my mind. 
Um, I was definitely interested in like, you know, physique optimization. And part of that was just because, you know, as a track runner, you don't want to be carrying a whole lot of excess body fat because you're just carrying that around with you. You know, you want to be fast, you know, explosive, lots of muscle power. So, you know, I did a lot of training that kind of um, supported that. Um, but I didn't really move into like the fitness per se industry um, until like probably two or three years into my personal career as a dietitian. And it was actually a client that um, kind of encouraged me to do it. She decided she was going to pull out because she wasn't ready. Mm. And she said, hey, you know, it's in Dubai. The world championships are there this year. I know you always talk about going there. Um, so I kind of just set my mind to winning or going to world championships because I wanted to go to that place for a holiday. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I just, I had to win a state, um, a state bodybuilding competition, then nationals. And then, you know, if you won nationals, then you went and competed for Australia. So yeah, it was wow. kind of not the way that maybe most people get into it. Um, but it was, yeah, an opportunity to travel because I loved traveling. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I've told a few other guests that it's interesting because when I kind of got into the space, my mind, for whatever reason, never even considered it as a career. So I got mm -hmm. into it when I was 12 years old. And yeah. I remember seeing Lane when I was probably 18, 19, he had the bodybuilding.com series. And yeah. so he was, I think, in a way, kind of a pioneer for it in that he made it a career and like the online coaching a career when it wasn't really that common. Yeah. Um, but to me, I was always like, okay, med school or dental school, it just it wasn't a thought that of like fitness coaching or even to be like a PhD in that field. But now yeah. it does seem way more common on social media, but just as an actual viable path to make it happen. Yeah, well, I guess so many people are interested in not only the health aspect of, you know, maintaining a lean, healthy physique, um, but I guess the aesthetic side of things, like most people, I think, and it's probably unfortunate, prioritize the aesthetic over the health. And that's actually been a huge like role reversal for me too, to kind of switch back to, Hey, I actually am, I want to do this for my health to stay, you know, in a good place for longevity rather than now, you know, it's all about the body composition. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you mentioned like you have to compete, when did you get into modeling and competing for fitness? Was that, that was after you even did any of the nutrition stuff? Yeah, well after actually. So I was, I think I finished, well, I can tell you age wise, I was, I think about 22 when I had finally finished my master's. Um, and then I kind of opened my own uh, nutrition practice. Uh, my ex-partner at the time, actually, he and I um, kind of collaborated in business he had a training studio. He was looking to upgrade. I really wanted to find a space. And I was also super invested uh, at the time into fitness and health. And it was a great way to kind of, you know, form and develop contacts. Also, I was still, you know, finding my own feet, my own friendships outside of, you know, university. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had a gym, um, which is kind of where it all started. So um, I feel like you have to go back and tell me what I'm answering the question to. Yeah, right no, now. you're fine. I, rewinding it a bit there. You said you finished your master's at 22. Is it different in Australia? Where Because here, most people finish undergrad at 21, 22. Oh, really? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I think if you start 17 or 18, um, it depends how long your, uh, I guess, your undergrad is. So a BS is anywhere from like three to five years, depending on what you're you're doing. We have mm. three semesters, not four. Mm. I think you guys probably cram a lot more in and have like your summer. I didn't right. choose to do that. 
Uh, and then I had a year off. So actually, you know what? I probably was 23. Hmm. Yeah, here you go. I'm terrible with that. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Um, the reason I was asking like with when some of this started, because I have, it's a very, it could be either weird or funny, depending on how the story is told. So when I was probably 14, I bought a home gym. It was the best deal ever. It was $100 for like 300 pounds of weights. The guy was just trying to get rid of it on Craigslist, squat rack, all this stuff. Yeah. So that's been my basement forever. And still in my, my parents' basement now. And my brother got into lifting and he was the kind of person who had like posters and stuff. And I, I didn't really get into all that. So he had posters of a car. He had a poster of like a singer. He had a poster of mm-hmm. like a fitness model, whatever. So I don't really think about it. Years go by and now it's like maybe five years ago. Yeah. And I realized, and I'm like, this person looks familiar. Mm-hmm. And that picture was of a girl doing a row and it was Holly Baxter. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. No and way. I was like, what? Like this poster has been in the basement for forever. No what? idea who this person is and would never have known. And then I'm like, this looks very familiar. So wow. yeah, very strange, just coincidental. Now I'm curious because yeah. I, I mean, I did a little bit of that stuff. Like, I don't know, during my undergrad, in addition to the 10 other jobs that I had, because I liked to be busy, clearly. Yeah. So, right. um, oh, that's so funny. But yeah just super coincidental i don't know i don't know where it is now if he's got it somewhere it was thrown out but i I can definitely remember seeing just this random poster and not really paying any attention to it and then later being like this is very familiar oh my god you know that you're gonna have to send that to me now yeah (laughs) i'll see if it's still if if he's got it but yeah super that's so funny but anyway back to your original question i totally just were you can tell how late in the afternoon here is uh, my brain is fried (laughs) so um you asked like when did i really get into fitness modeling um i was it was 2015 when i kind of decided to do my first competition so uh, I prepped in December of 2015 for eight weeks got ready did my very first show with the IFBB as a bikini competitor Uh, did terribly by the way absolutely horrible and then kind of realized hey I'm just in the wrong division I need to be in one that's like a little bit more muscular so yeah I switched over to I guess the pro fitness model um, with a different federation and that that was the federation that um, would take me to Dubai for my first world championship. So, okay. yeah, I've, I guess I've only been doing it since 20, 2016, technically. Okay. It seems yeah. like with the women's categories, it's a little more confusing because with men, it's, it's kind of like physique. Well, there's physique and bodybuilding and there's physique, mm-hmm. classic and open. Mm-hmm. But with women, it's like bikini, physique, figure, bodybuilding. It, now fitness. there's wellness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, and sometimes the same person can win both, right? Because there's not always huge differences between the categories. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So it's, I guess that's one of the frustrating things um, about the bodybuilding industry. And I think part of the confusion has come from, you know, more federations um, kind of trying to get their name out there. And they've literally just called it something completely different. So just mm-hmm. as an example, like fitness in IFBB world is the girls that jump around on the stage can do like a one-handed push-up with just their hand on the ground and they can do the splits like they're crazy athletes yeah, yeah. but they're also so conditioned like figure level conditioned um but in the federation that i now compete at and have competed at for some years now i think 2018 is i've been with the wbff since then um fitness for this defi- uh, federation is just more muscular than uh, bikini, but not as muscular as a figure girl. And the posing is completely different. And, mm. you know, as its acronym kind of suggests, it's more like, you know, fashion and fitness. So it's run more like 
a pageant, I guess, which is really weird. You know, growing up in Australia, we did not have that at all. So I was kind of like, this looks fun. I can do, you know, something that's feminine, but also like train my ass off. Like I'm an athlete at heart, you know, I can go hard and have a goal. So yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. And, and like you said, it's, it's almost like, like fitness, but also fashion. And mm-hmm. I think the women are often more done up. And we were actually like a lot of my friends are in fitness, men and women, and we were talking yeah. about this and we were saying like, well, okay, so what's completely natural. So like, could a guy get cab implants or arm implants because a lot of women have breast implants, right? And that's just yeah. almost accepted as, as kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, well, but like a guy's calves are judged or his arms are judged, but you know, women aren't specifically judged on their breasts. Yeah. I, I would say that's true, but you're also more just judging poses, right? You're not like, you don't judge the shoulders. You judge like a front double bicep or something, right? So yeah. I would imagine that, especially maybe in like bikini and, and some of the other ones, they do maybe even subconsciously take into account the whole package there. If the girl is done up, would you say that's the case? 100%. Yeah. It's, I guess there is a certain percentage and I guess you, depending on which federation you go for. So I'm just going to speak very generally or broadly here. Um, part of the uh, judging criteria will be your posing, muscularity, symmetry, and then there's your stage presence, um, you know, how you walk, how you carry yourself, uh, and like the appearance. So, you know, if there is a certain look that is favourable, um, that tends to be, you know, the the individual who's going to win. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, it's, it's very subjective and it's one of the things that I think I personally, as like growing up as an athlete, still really struggle with because, yeah. um, you know, it's it's going to come down to someone's personal opinion. It's not like you got more, your points were higher at the end or you lifted more weight. Um, it could be just someone likes her hairstyle better. So, right. yeah, I yeah. mean, that, that's kind of a shame. I mean, in, in like men's competitions, you can look like a dog and, and, and you know, <laughs> it's not going to affect how you place. Yeah. And maybe in like women's open bodybuilding, that's the case. But it's yeah. a shame that it's not just about the physique you know yeah yeah for sure I get it I get it yeah um and now you mentioned you you had struggled with mental health since you were Mm -hmm. really young I would Mm -hmm. say the longer I'm in the industry and the more people I talk to the more it just seems the norm really like I'm not exaggerating when I say probably more than half of the women I know have Mm -hmm. some level of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. do you think that being in fitness and getting that involved has helped it due to let's say looking better and more confidence or hurt it due to more comparisons and focus on it I would probably say this is like a situation of like the chicken or the egg and Mm -hmm. if you were to ask me personally I think a lot of it probably started with them or an individual having some underlying uh, body confidence issues Uh, you know, poor self-image or low confidence, or if, again, if I'm being really honest, I think majority of the dietitians, the people that were going to complete their masters, half of them were there because I, and you can like, you've had conversations and you can also look at someone and go, wow, you know, I feel really like horrible. How can I help this person? She's anorexic. And like, you know, and understand that struggle. Um, So I think from a bodybuilding standpoint, it doesn't cause I do not think it causes these uh, conditions. Um, It attracts a lot of those kind of, um, you know, mental health problems. And if you aren't also proactive about seeking out professional help with kind of breaking that mental health issue down and kind of getting to the roots of that problem, 
um, it can worsen um, if you are in that industry. And I am very transparent in you know my journey uh, through bodybuilding. And yeah, it was definitely a way to kind of control my physique, control how I ate. Uh, and it was like, okay, but it's, and it's accepted too. Like, you yeah, know, no right. one can question me now why I'm not doing this or why I'm avoiding that or why I'm over-exercising. It like justifies my decisions to, to be lean. And I think I really wish like had I gone back to like the young version of myself that I had focused more on the mental health side of things than the physical output because, and I think everybody's like this to some extent, some more than others, but when it comes to making a decision, if we've got two decisions or two options in front of us, most of us are going to take the easier option, right? Um, you know, if, if you don't have to do hard work, like why would you? So for me, again, thinking about like that athletic background, the easier route was honestly the brutal kind of, you know, hardcore training approach. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I have to do all this work. And this is also like pre-bodybuilding. Right. Like I would go out for a run with this friend in the morning and do 5Ks. And then someone else would be like, hey, you want to come do boot camp? Sure. And then, hey, do you want to come for a walk? Sure. So I always knew and could count on myself from a physical like endurance, you know, stamina perspective. But I don't think I had the tools to cope with the psychological problems that were going on in my life. And when you when you don't have strong mentors or, you know, like people that can guide you in the right direction, I think things would have been a whole lot different for me. And I truly, truly wish, and this is why I'm so um, passionate about it now, um, is to spend as much time on your physical um, body um, for health reasons as your mental health. And I do see it becoming more and more accepted like, mm, you know, yeah. mental health awareness week. Uh, we've got more people kind of talking very openly about their struggles with depression, suicide, anxiety, like OCD. So um, I really hope that, you know, we can kind of move the industry and it's going to take a, an industry effort to recognise the benefits of being a healthy body physically. But, you know, health is not just the body. It's also your mind. And yeah. some of the most fit incredible bodies that I've seen or people that have come to me to work for me or under me um, have also had the worst mental health uh, and suffering I've ever come across, but yeah. you'd never know. So, yeah. Yeah, it, wow. it is. It, it fascinates me more and more because I'll hear the statistics that are out there on how many people have these depressive thoughts or have even, you know, try to kill themselves or anything like that. Um, and I mean, and, and it does seem more open now. Like I had a patient recently who is like, was an enhanced competitor. And I was surprised that he was so open to telling me that he was enhanced and that he was really depressed and that he was seeing a therapist. You wouldn't have expected that maybe 10 years ago to some, like a four-year-old guy just be like, yeah, I was enhanced. Yeah. I was depressed. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I do see that more and more and you'd see it on like anonymous forums before, but now, like you said, people are talking about it on social media where their face is out there and, and all the pictures yeah. and everything. So, yeah, I almost think like that needs to happen though. Um, because it was so, um, I guess I don't want to use like the word discriminated against, but there was probably a lot of stigma and, um, you know, taboo around mental health. Like you wouldn't ever admit that you've got a problem or that you're not coping or something's really hard. Um, I guess most of us want to have the strong exterior, the, you know, powerful, I'm in control, I've got my shit together. 
Um, but And that's all, again, it's kind of built up from societal um, norms and the pressure that we create for ourselves. So we kind of almost have to go back the other way where now we start to promote like, hey, it's okay to be weak or actually that's totally not what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. It's, o- it's okay to have, um, you know, weaknesses or it's okay yeah. to, you know, fail and make mistakes. Like these are all normal. But I think people want you to have, and it is in our, you know, like now nature, to be accepted and for people to like us. And what do we do? We want to show them all the good stuff about us. Like you don't want to dare share like your deep, dark secrets because that would make you, you know, um, a weakness or it might make someone not like you because, oh, this person hasn't got their shit together. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think the, the more we talk about it and especially people that do have a platform, I think need to be open about it because it's probably saving a lot of lives, really. Yeah, I often wonder, like you talked about from a kid, and I often wonder what makes the difference and where it stems from. I'm sure there's some genetic component, right? I mean, people who are anxious tend to have more anxious kids and, and whatnot, but how much of it is environmental? Like I think back to, I mean, literally for, for me, it was probably, I can remember when it was, I was like six years old, like comparing mm-hmm. to people, a lot of comparisons. I was 12 when I started really losing weight, but there was constantly a comparison to other people yeah. and things like that. And so it was very young. And then I'll sometimes come across somebody who is not physically impressive at all, but as far as I can tell, just doesn't care. Like really is so comfortable with it. And it's, it's kind of fascinating. It's like, wow, like you just don't care. And yeah, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to be them. <laughs> right. But, right, right. but it's, it's just interesting. No, I, I love that. In fact, um, you know, since moving over here, um, I've really had to like go out of my way to, you know, introduce myself to people and kind of find like my kind. Um, and, you know, some of the folks that I have met, it's so awesome because they're not all necessarily in the fitness industry. They've come from like IT or like accounting, like, whatever it might be, business. And, um, you know, their co- body confidence um, compared to a lot of the people that I've spoken to, men and women in, I guess, the health and fitness industry, it's like skyrocketing. And I was like, I'm in awe of that. And that's what I would aspire to be like, not from necessarily like, okay, maybe they've got some unhealthy behaviours and habits that, you know, might predispose them to some kind of risk of health later in life, but more just the their character And, you know, we all have the ability to be happy or feel valued and, you know, we are worthy. But like you said, we have to look back at like what what wired you to think that way? Is it really genetic or is it our environment? And I have spent a lot of time, uh, especially in like the recent years, as I feel like my knowledge in the nutrition and exercise science space has kind of peaked and I'm, you know, I can cruise and stay along and keep up with whatever's coming out. So I do have this extra time now where I feel like I can look and explore in other areas. And I spent a lot of time in that mental health space because of my you know, suffering. I had an eating disorder for 15 years. It was horrible. Wow. So um, a lot of this stuff does come back to, you know, how we were raised. Yeah. And again, it's, it's like generation after generation after generation, not necessarily genetically, but, you know, they're watching behaviours, they're taking that in as children, and then that becomes the norm. And, like, a great example might be, I don't know, when we would go somewhere, uh, I know my mom, and I love my mom, she's a wonderful person, and I know where her uh, intentions are coming from, but, you know, she was always, t- like, so worried about what other people would think. And, you know, don't say this, you know, oh, make sure you don't do that. Uh, you got to look, look like as 
perfect as you can and you know we'd get around family and friends and even though I know like my mom and my dad did not have a good relationship like it was horrible like they were arguing all the time but then like like they put on this facade you know around other people and it was like oh well you know we've got to pretend we've got it all together so um I do think that there's and I'm sure there's um plenty of research to back this but yeah all of those um you know, thought processes, um, I guess our, you know, motivation, our passion for, you know, being successful in work or business or intelligence, um, and then your internal wiring has to be founded on something. And then unless you as the adult then choose to think otherwise or choose to explore alternative opinions, like you can go your whole life with the same understanding unless you look internally and then start to do some self-development and go, hey, you know, maybe I am a little bit off on this or maybe I should upskill in that area because I feel like what I feel now doesn't feel good. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's a lot of good points. I almost wonder if in part, so I'm, I'm very goal oriented and I have been from a very young age. I, I mm-hmm. seems like you are too. So I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Right here. And sometimes I almost feel like, okay, so we'll hear from, you know, probably most philosophers and, and people who are at a good place in their life, they'll say, don't focus on these superficial things. So don't focus on this or that thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll hear it and I'll say, okay, so maybe acceptance is, is better. But because I have this goal, I feel like I'm quitting the goal by accepting it, whether it's physique or a certain amount of money or whatever. It's like, but hold on, like, am I just taking the ease way out by just saying, no, mm-hmm. I just accept it. I don't want to be that person that just accepts mediocrity no I'm exactly the same exactly the same (laughs) yeah I think um if I'm to talk to that um and again this is totally stemming from how I was raised so I can't relate to you you probably have a different story and I'd be totally open to hearing this too if you're willing to share but you know I think I grew up in a relationship with my parents where um like my father very hard worker like the most hard worker, workaholic I ever know. And I know that's where I get my drive from because I monkey see, monkey do. You know, I watched my dad get up at seven every morning. He was out until eight. Then he had an after work project building our family boat. Like he was building a beautiful, big, you know, sports motor cruiser, which, Mm. you know, it's like a 60 foot yacht. Mm. And, you know, we got to experience that as kids, but he was never around. So for women, like that's a really important uh, connection that you need to have to understand as an adult how you should interact with males and what a strong male figure, supportive male figure should look like. So I think for any women, especially that grow up in that environment where they don't have that influence, it's like you want what you don't have Mm -hmm. and you seek it out. So for a lot of women, I think they do become very promiscuous. Maybe they run into troubles when, you know, they're in their youth um, or they just really feel very lost and don't understand that. And then from a, like a parent, from a mother's side, everything was, it felt very conditional. So unless you get good grades or unless you win, you know, the school science project or um, unless, you know, you are the best, um, it wasn't like there was just unconditional love. And I know my mum loves me, God, if she was listening to this, she'd probably die. But, you know, it wasn't expressed. Yeah. And that's where the communication element comes in. So I think so many people don't know how to communicate well um, or bother to look outside their own knowledge for communication to how can I improve that? So I think I grew up with never feeling like just me on my own outside of what I do for people and how I perform um, was ever enough. 
So it was like my value of myself as a human was based upon my academic achievements, how hard I worked, um, if I was the best. There was never any like, hey, you know, if you're a bum, who cares, babe? Like, as long as you're happy, like, we love you. So I definitely went through and I grew up with no religion, no spirituality, nothing, Mm. no mentor to kind of guide me what's right. So like my only knowledge of like, I don't know, people accepting me and caring for me was like push, 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 drill sergeant, go as hard as you can. Next, what's the next thing? Okay, I've done that. Tick that goal off. What's next? Yep. And only really recently, and I don't know how you feel about this now that you've got your medical degree and you're killing life, but like now I'm like, wow, I don't ever feel satisfied. Why is that? Right. And that's because... I've spent my life chasing and performing and pleasing and seeking validation from all these external sources because I've never really, I never really had this knowledge that I was enough. And that's like a breakthrough that I have had as an individual probably within the last 12 months. And it was so like overwhelmingly like, oh man, I bawled my eyes out. I actually started reading a book. It was called The Search for Significance, The Devotional. Um, And it was just talking about like people that are, you know, raised as little people pleasers and um, you're already enough. Like, you know, God is, he loves you unconditionally. So stop trying to prove yourself, do what you feel good doing, find your passion and, you know, do the work that you're doing for, you know, your purpose instead of trying to make sure that everybody must like you because that's impossible. You mentioned that you grew up without religion and the, but then you just mentioned God there. I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to get into it, but is that something, do you feel more religious now? Yeah, it's, um, so I, I don't know that I ever would have been like somebody that was anti, you know, religion where I would, or certainly not judging or that I didn't believe. It was more like, I think I had scripture in prep and maybe grade one at school. Mm. And, um, you know, beyond that, I didn't go to a, like a, a religious or a Catholic school or a Christian school, didn't really, um, I went to a public school, wasn't part of the curriculum, and I certainly didn't elect for it. Like I was more like, hey, science, hey, sport, give me the, mm. you know, give me that stuff um, because my family didn't, you know, um, have that upbringing either. So, yeah, I feel like so many of us kind of like search for this thing that's going to make you happy. Yeah. And I kind of did that by like bouncing around from, you know, state to state, different location to different location, job to job, like trying to find where I felt like I fit. And yeah, it was like trying to seek out, like, where am I going to get this love from? Where can I feel like I fit? And I, all the time, like, it was actually just me. I needed to like accept myself. And that only happened when I was introduced to church um, by, I guess, our amazing, um, I guess, director of operations for BioLang. We hired her originally as a personal assistant she got way more than she bargained for yeah yeah and uh yeah she kind of um introduced me to to church and yeah it honestly changed my life I would never have thought that I would have said that yeah so, no, that's awesome I think the last time I remember hearing Lane talk about this was years back he was agnostic I don't know if that's yeah that's changed yeah it, but it's still still the same so it's, yeah. it's difficult <laughs> yeah right right um I, and it's interesting because I know Mark Lobliner he had a big thing in the last few years where he became much more religious I've seen actually a number of people who have gone that way um and yeah let me guess are they in the fitness industry what's that were they all in the fitness industry I know Mark yeah the ones I'm thinking of are yeah yeah so you know it 
I don't want to like draw strong conclusions to this. I'm sure there's nothing to it. But like, if I had to guess, I think it is probably to do with the need to feel like accepted. So, so many people kind of wrap themselves up in their fitness identity. And therefore, if they don't maintain that, you know, lean uh, physique, you know, that's then who are they? And if they can't do that, like their identity is gone. Um, and that's kind of how I was. Like, I mean, when I kind of came over here, I really felt like a strong urge to, you know, walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't look a certain way, like, gosh, well, society is not going to accept you because look what you look like. You know, you're just normal. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. you know, my mindset was I've got to look like this freaking, I don't know, thoroughbred athlete 24-7. Right, right. Um, if someone's going to take me seriously. And then obviously let's add that layer of being a female in a fitness industry that's predominantly males. Yeah. Uh, it's getting better, um, you know, as the sport has grown. But, um, yeah, I can absolutely admit to being somebody that was totally caught up in that being an identity. And now I can kind of step back and go, hey, I actually don't need that, but here's something that I can do really well and share it with and my experiences with people. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. So this is like much more of like a life talk than like, hey, give us three tips for muscle growth. <laughs> hey, was, you can go, I've got those right here for you. Give me give me yeah, those yeah. questions. <laughs> no, but I've been saying like I like these kind of like deeper conversations because after a while, like you know, how many times can you say like, hey, be in a calorie deficit? And like, not that's obviously super important, but I think these are these are things that are not talked about as much, right? No, so absolutely not. I think it's very interesting and. That also ties back into the whole, what we said before, like, is it quitting? Because I was thinking about this a little bit myself where um, I wouldn't say my identity, I mean, before my identity was more tied to my physique, I guess, but also like I was thinking, so little like story, probably three years ago when I moved back up here closer to family, I was Mm going to buy this practice and the doctor was older. He was like 67. He was supposed to retire at 68 and he 69. So they didn't retire. And I'm like, like I'm over here, like I'm trying to buy this practice. Like what is going on? And part of me was very frustrated with it, like very frustrated, but part of me was also like, this guy is 70 years old. He's been doing this for 40 years. He has, you know, these number of days, whatever, four days per week, he's going to the office and he's doctor this guy. And it's probably hard to just retire. And it's like, who are you now? Right. I mean, it's a hard thing to let go of that. And I think for me, you you know, I I don't really suffer with like low self-confidence or anything like that. But if you were to take away and, you know, I'm not Dr. McConey 40 hours a week and I don't have my own practice and, and, and I also don't have the podcast, like those combined things are a significant part of my identity. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have that, I probably would be like, you know, who am I and all the things that you alluded to. Yeah. Uh, and, And then you could question, well, is that good or bad? Because I, as I said before, I wouldn't want to be somebody who was doing nothing with my life with total acceptance. Like maybe for some people, that's great. You you know, you'd be a monk or whatever. (laughs) I I personally would not feel comfortable with that route. I do want to be a high achieving individual. And I guess it's, it's hard to have that balance of putting your whole identity on that versus doing it for the right reasons. Right. And you said the word balance. And I think um, one of the, I guess you can look at like how we would, um, like clinically define like certain conditions. And I'll use like binge eating disorder for, as an example, like there is a really defined uh, frequency of, um, you know, binge eating. Uh, It's accompanied with usually purging and there's a whole bunch of other criteria. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, But, you know, if we, oh my gosh, I keep losing my chain of thought. (laughs) Can you go back and tell me what I was just saying? (laughs) 
Uh, you're talking about balance. Oh, balance. Okay, yeah. So if you uh, take that all away, um, you know, how happy are you? So if you invest a lot of time in like your fitness goals and um, you're, you know, spending a disproportionate amount of your thoughts and your mental energy um, on this particular thing, and it's also having negative um, consequences in your life, then I think, you know, that's when we really need to start looking at, okay, so uh, is this really a good thing for me? So I've had a lot of conversations. And again, most of the people that have initially kind of started working with me are athletes and some of them are pros and some of them are retiring. And you've got to weigh it up with the pros and the cons and where along that spectrum or that continuum does this land um, and how negative uh, and what kind of consequence is it having? And I guess another little example might be like for me, tracking macros um, and being perfect, like for the longest time was basically ruining my life. And my health was fine, like physically, great health, super fit, cardiovascularly amazing. But, you know, it was starting to kind of negatively interfere with relationships. It was starting to negatively interfere with like my social life. Um, and then it just started to annoy me. I'm like, do I, do I really need this? And for a good amount of time, I just kind of battled through that, um, that discomfort because, you know, as you do, you're like, yeah, it's just hard. I'll be fine. And or like it, it wasn't going away. Like it just stuck with me for the longest time. And then, you know, I kind of realized, hey, um, how important is this to me right now and how much like significant negative consequences is it having on my life? So, like, I made the choice to, like, step away from that for a while um, because it was far more negative than it was positive. So, yeah, I think if, like, what you said about having a goal I think is really important. Um, if you don't have goals, like, meh, wow, you know, wouldn't you want to leave a legacy and make a difference in the world and be kind and, you know, do all these things and maybe someone that doesn't have a, you know, a goal-oriented um, career in mind, then maybe they're a really nice, friendly person and they're, mm -hmm. They're out there giving free hugs and making someone's day and they're making an impact in another way, right? But they might not be bums. It's just everyone has a different idea of like, you know, this is their goal. Um, but I think if you can't step away from it and you feel like, you know, I can't give up my practice because who am I outside of this? You know, if I don't have that title anymore, like I'm no one, then I probably would say like we need to start working on, you know, getting back in touch with you and just being good with you as a human, outside of your like I guess your tags and your titles and all the things that make you or a part of you sound like my therapist Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, it Except is that she probably doesn't squirrel I am so I'm clearly so fatigued to keep like losing my chain of thought today oh my gosh <laughs> oh my god no you're totally fine see it's the nice thing about recording these ahead of time is that we can cut out anything we want make us sound way better than we actually are you know it's good oh thank gosh <laughs> So going forward, then, what does it look like for you goal-wise? Because, I mean, you've been doing this, at least I've been doing this for 18 years as far as like physical activity and lifting, um, mm -hmm. and you've been doing it at least as long as I have, it sounds like. So uh, one of the things that I run into is motivation to continue, not, not like I would ever drop it. There's no, I, I just I couldn't ever drop it for my life, but more like, okay, I'm not naturally going to gain more muscle than I used to have more than likely. Um, you know, it's, I guess maybe there's more avenues for you because you could compete. I don't compete. So it's a little bit different, but do you find that after so long, 
it is harder because it's like, well, what am I going to push for? Like, can I even continue to improve? Yeah, that is, uh, you've just hit the nail on the head. Um, I had this conversation this morning. Um, I was filming some of my training for an upcoming competition and I was actually just explaining how weird it was for me to step away after world championships last year in August to have kind of subconsciously retired because I know like I have a lot of business goals. I'm very like career focused and I am the visionary and I will do whatever I want to do and I will not stop until it is done and hopefully, you know, bring an awesome bunch of people, you know, along for that journey with me where I can. Yeah. But, and, but to do that, um, I really had to like immerse myself in like the execution of tasks within the business as opposed to just being like working on the business, the high level stuff. So it really dragged me into like a lot more computer work. Um, I was getting to the point where I was only training like once or maybe twice a week. And this is going from an athlete. And I kid you not, I have trained five days a week, maybe six in my early career, because I thought you had to, um, for at least 15 years. And this January, I quit my gym membership, first and foremost, um, because I didn't have a goal. And I was like, oh, I'll just train in the garage. It's fine. Mm. Um, and it was so like horrible. So I wouldn't advise like just quitting altogether. You've got to have something that you're like motivated by, but it has been a real struggle. Like what you said to keep lifting as a sport when you're not like tracking a strength goal or you're not tracking a hypertrophy goal, or maybe you're at your genetic limits and, you know, to get to the next step, like you'd have to just maybe live and set yourself up in the gym so you can train twice a day. Right. So um, that's been a real challenge for me. And I think like for any athlete, it doesn't matter whether they're in bodybuilding, they're doing, a, I don't know, a team sport or, you know, cyclist, endurance, doesn't matter. Um, it, that's always a really hard transition when it's made up such a significant portion of your life. So I think for you and I, um, as it relates to like health and fitness, I think we've got to come back to, why am I doing this again? So, you know, for me, I can answer that as it's enjoyment, number one. I, I did enjoy it. And then two, um, like my health. I know it's good for my health and it feels good. And then three would be like the mental health side of things. I think exercise is so good for all of those reasons, you know, getting outdoors, like, you know, heart pounding, like it's just so so good for the, the positive endorphins. Um, but lifting, because it's not really a sport, unless you do something like powerlifting or weightlifting, um, it's so hard to stay motivated. Like, I've been so bored. (laughs) So, like, I just decided eight weeks ago, or not even that, like three weeks ago to start doing another show. I've got a couple of other reasons and a really good why for doing that. But, yeah, to try and stay motivated when I didn't have a goal, I was like, throw my hands up in the air, like, this is pointless. Yeah, yeah. Is the uh, is the good why a secret or is that something you can? No, I can I can share that with you. I I'm getting around to telling people. It's more like it's just not my priority anymore. It's okay. more like I'm doing this because I want to be able to help people, and I'm doing that anyway with the the work that I do. So, yeah, this competition is really I think important for me. A couple of things. I think I align more strongly now with the uh, federations organizers or the owners. Um, I guess there's been a lot of deaths in some of the federations lately, especially the IFBB, the untested federations, right. and now even more happening more and more in women. You know, I've, And I've been sitting on the coaching side of clients that have started up and they're telling me like, yeah, so my coach was telling me to 
jump on this drug and take this and do this protocol and like here use this like cancer treatment for something like it's been crazy the things that I'm hearing people are are taking and what I thought was really impressive was that they are now saying they're not going to be encouraging like the leanest physique um and our federation is primarily women it's bikini fitness and it is figure so they're a lot more muscular down to the smaller but they are pushing the coaching teams that are kind of involved with that federation to soften the girls because we're thinking about health and I was like yeah I like that because no other federation is going to stop that or because it's a it's a money-making business where for me I get up and go to work in the day because I'm trying to help people have a healthy life Um, And it would be so against my personal ethics and my personal code to support something that, um, you know, is really harmful. So to step back in probably sounds a little bit contradictory, but there's a good why. So I was thinking about it. I've done the sport for the longest time and it was because I was struggling with my identity. I was struggling with an eating disorder and it was a way to... Um, manage my body composition and it was um, I guess hiding or masking the work I needed to do on my confidence and just learning to be cool and be happy with just me outside of like an external you know anything like house car I don't need any of that I know I can be happy here just with me so what I think will be really hard now and it has been challenging, but I'm really enjoying this process, is going through a prep, not being attached to the outcome Mm -hmm. and taking through, you know, the step-by-step process, the discipline that it takes to get on stage without the disordered eating, without the negative body, um, I guess, issues, and without that, like, negative mindset saying, like, you're not enough unless you're super lean, and it's been so, like, I didn't know whether I'd be able to do it because I was like, maybe the, the eating disorder was driving my strength to hang in there and to be right. a world championship, uh, be a world champion. Um, so for me, this is about proving to myself that you are really dedicated, you are a hard worker, you can do this stuff without being caught up in the, um, I guess, the body image and the leanness of this sport. So I'm truly treating this like this is a sport. It's yeah. not about me. It's about I'm just going to try and be the best on the stage for this sport and then I'm going to go back to being like, hey, I'm just Holly. I, I do this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to yeah, me, that's was, like... Um, I don't know if you know Jody Angle. She was on IPB Pro uh, with, by Shelby Starnes. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had her on the podcast with Dr. Uh, O'Connor. This is probably eight or nine months ago. But just some of the stuff that a lot of the women are told to take and the extreme protocols, it's kind of shocking. I mean, she didn't die but she had a lot of major health issues and it it does seem like it's it's more and more common oh yeah definitely definitely yeah i mean i can definitely like going back a little bit relate to what you said like you're really bored and that i hadn't had a coach since 2011 but i just did six months with you know steve hall from revive stronger and Mm -hmm. it was literally like unfortunately it didn't really net that much physically but it was just like this is making me way more excited <laughs> to train again because it was just something new, different. Um, and, and unfortunately with our endeavor, I don't really want to call it a sport, but it's much more objective than a lot of other sports. Meaning if you're in a team sport, it can be really hard to know if you're getting better or worse. But mm-hmm. even if you're like, let's say you're in a combat sport and mm-hmm. like MMA, 
Well, it's so dependent on who you're against, right? So you could actually have progressed and you're just against a really amazing opponent, or you could be getting worse and you can kind of tell like, okay, you're starting to lose more fights, but you could always convince yourself, I'm working on this skill. I'm working on this skill. So you're improving in that realm versus Mm. this. It's like, are you stronger? Do you have more muscle? And those can be pretty easily measured for the most part, Mm. especially the strength. So it's Mm -hmm. like, if you're powerlifting and you're powerlifting for 15 years, it's like, well, my total is still not any higher. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure Lane deals with that to some degree, right? He had his totals and peak of each three. And how many years has it been since it's been a true PR? Like, I'm sure when you're at that level, it's tough because it's like, Mm -hmm. well, all this work is not netting a new high. Yeah, I think part of that probably comes down to, um, and you, you were talking about like being objective or not. So if you were in a team sport, I think you probably like objectively and there's probably measurements that you can take to say, hey, my uh, boxing out is like it's improving because, hey, my jump, I guess, measurement or test. What's that one where you jump up and you tap some stuff? Like a vertical? Um, yeah, the vertical jump. <laughs> so uh, we don't do that in Australia. Apparently that's <laughs> part of like the test curriculum here. But like you could, there's probably very clear metrics of like speed. Like you can test your speed, you can strip, yep. you can test your power through or drills like you if you physically get through this drill quicker than your component like yeah you're probably improving and then you've also got to like keep referring that back to yourself so you're kind of competing against yourself in that sense um so yeah i guess like there is there is an objective way that you can measure those things like if someone's improving in sport and then you've got to have like a really great coach um, that is highly skilled to also identify, say, hey, yeah, look, I know you've lost these last five fights, but like your skill set has improved significantly. He was just a great fighter. So I don't know. I think bodybuilding, yes, you can, yes, if you're bigger and stronger, right, okay, you probably have a better chance at winning, but you could also get a really shitty judge. Yeah. And yeah, someone just has, cool. like, someone doesn't like really like flared lats at the bottom, <laughs> I don't know, or they like a more tapered flare. I have no idea. Um, but you know, if someone doesn't have that skill in the eye, you know, then their, um, I guess feedback for you could also equally be like, it's not true. (laughs) So, yeah, no, for sure. No, I mean, and to be clear, bodybuilding, I'm sure is very frustrating because Mm -hmm. it's so subjective from the coaches. Mm -hmm. I just more mean like the competition with yourself, you can measure your your performance, things like that, you know? Yeah, you got to get yourself a mentor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have a coach or do you kind of coach yourself? No, no. So I recently have actually started working with, um, I guess, um, Lane's personal coach. So he's hired somebody very previously. His name's Zach, um, okay. Data Driven Strength. Um, he's oh, out of okay. Mike Sordos lab. So yeah, yeah. Stud. So he's actually just started doing my programming very recently to free up my time. And it's so nice to have somebody that you can just you trust what they're doing with you because they are so knowledgeable and um yeah it's a massive time consuming thing but from the nutrition side um I've actually always done that myself which has been good and bad yeah sure (laughs) yeah it's hard to be objective yeah are they doing more hypertrophy goals in order for your next yeah so it was specifically with the goal of losing muscle so believe it or not I have to drop size so he I'm actually his first uh, client ever history of the books that has said, Hey, I'm here because I need you to help me lose muscle. And it's it's been a real, yeah, it's been a real challenge because, you know, if we look at all of the research in 
um, like muscle retention right. and you know yeah. people are always like terrified like if they go away on a holiday for a week and they take a week off and they do nothing that oh my god I've lost all my strength and I've lost all my gains and it's crazy to think like we have to basically reduce our volume down to about one third mm-hmm. of our normal training volume uh, before we start to see any kind of degradation of muscle tissue So there's one particular study that uh, I posted about a few weeks ago, and it was looking at, um, I guess, three different groups. We had your control group who did no training, completely detrained for 16 weeks. Uh, There was another group that that were doing about a third of their normal volume over the 16 weeks. And then the other group was a ninth. Yep. Um, The group that did a third less volume still gained muscle. I think I might have said that wrong before, but anyway, so the group that did a third less still gained muscle over that time frame, and then the group that did one ninth of their normal volume still maintained. So to think about how hard it is as the athlete mindset that you possess to lose muscle, I would basically have to stop training some groups. Right, and right. like like you said, if you don't, don't have a goal, like why are you going to the gym? I'm not going to go and hit an RP four for like I don't know a row. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that study. I'll see if I can find a link. But in older individuals, yeah, different for young versus plus, old. Yeah, older individuals yes. could do about a third and still maintain. But yes, yeah. younger individuals could do one ninth and still maintain. Yes. And you're right; they actually did gain a bit with one third, which is kind of yeah, amazing. yeah, it's crazy. I probably so, should have. Spent- old versus young <laughs> where on your body are you trying to lose muscle i imagine certain muscle groups you want to maintain more than others yeah so um probably my back i used to do figure um and realize that if i wanted to win which is obviously the goal for most people well is for me <laughs> um i had to be huge like and all those girls are all you know steroids use me a little natural uh drug-free competitor so yeah i kind of got my back to a point where it was too big so that's one thing i'm trying to get down um, I've still done a lot of shoulder volume to keep like the capped shoulders. I've stopped training arms and uh, biceps, triceps. I haven't done any of those in probably 12 months. I guess they still get used with some of like the chest work that I do, but, um, and then shrinking my hamstrings, um, I think, and then calves. So for, I did sprinting. So had massive like, hypertrophy uh, calves and like big hamstrings. So I've just gone down to like one set of seated hamstring curls and one set of calves, RPE five. <laughs> right. Well, you're so, not going to like this, but my, my experiment over the last two years, because my calves are particularly stubborn is I've not trained my left calf in two years. Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. the normal training for the right calf. They're identical size, zero difference, serious? like to the 16th of an inch. So I don't know how much you'll lose, but uh... oh, now I want you to go and do like a muscle thickness testing and actually like get right. in there. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's interesting with arms because for back, I could e- pretty easily see somebody losing because like you really have to directly work the back, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not something that we do in our day to day movements either. Right. But with arms, yeah, if you're still working your back, I mean, you'll be doing less for back, but yeah. you know, with your pressing and everything that could be a little bit harder to reduce, I imagine. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> it has, I honestly don't really know how it's going. And I think part of that's just because in my off season, I'm happy to sit at a little bit higher body fat. It's just easier to maintain. I don't have to stress out all the time. I need more time to be able to work. And, you know, we've got two kids. So yeah, I think I don't really know how that goal has gone yet because I haven't lost enough body fat to be able to tell. So it's been 12 months. Yeah. I think you're the first person I've talked to with that goal. So So, yeah, Zach was like, um, so why are you hiring me? And I'm like, I just need you to write <laughs> some programming. You can just put one set. It's fine. I just want you to take care of that. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So, well, I really enjoyed the conversation, Holly. Like I said, to me, I honestly, I went in there with like one or two points and that was it. And the rest just flowed very naturally. And that to me is more interesting than just like, you know, question, answer, question, answer kind of a format. So I yeah, appreciate sure. you taking the time. I know you're busy and <laughs> we have, we'll have the foundation link below, but where can people find more of your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everything that we have uh, from our nutrition coaching app to our workout builder platform, our books, uh, our coaching team, my coaching, it's all available um, through the link on my Instagram. And that's just Holly T. Baxter. So Awesome. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation, David. Yeah.